Oh, hey, 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 hey. It's all right. Charlie, you're all right now. You are Paimon, one of the eight kings of hell. We have looked to the northwest and called you in. We've collected your first female body and give you this healthy male host. We reject the Trinity and pray devotedly to you, great Paimon. Give us your knowledge of all secret things. Bring us honor, wealth, and good familiars. Bind all men to our will as we have found ourselves for now and ever to yours. Hail Paimon! Hail Paimon! Hail Paimon! Hail! This week on the show, Hereditary. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me to the greatest movie of all time podcast i am your play by play co-host the big deck boski wreck himself and who are you i'm gia smith <laughs> your wife and also one of the co-hosts at times most of the times now oh, always southern can't get rid of the southern was i i didn't even you I said didn't... you were like at times <laughs> all right at times. we are going to watch every single movie ever made and decide which movie is the greatest of all time this week, we have our favorite guest of all time, and that is Chris the Bod Bonapani. Chris, how's it going? Thank you very much for that, that over-the-top introduction. And that wasn't over-the-top. Yeah. You, you deserve it. You deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's an honor to be here with the first couple of podcasts, and I might say. Yeah, I mean, this is like, I don't know, like your seventh appearance? You're like a, you're like a, uh, yeah, a pro. Yeah, well, there was too much sexual tension with the last co-host. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like the shows you got you got all that like you know that it's good um, that we stopped ma- all that. <laughs> that, that that toxic male sexual there's, tension. There's been a lot of sexual <laughs> harassment cases with him. <laughs> uh, today we are talking hereditary, but before we get to that, last week Gia and I discussed Saw. We had a really fun time uh, discussing that movie, so please check out the episode and any episode in our catalog. Uh, this is October Horror Month, so we're continuing our horror movies. So we're almost at the end. We have one more to go after this. Uh, but we are on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you want to use. Please subscribe and review if you can. It's very helpful for the show. Let us know what you think on social media. Start an argument with us. Agree with us. Give us suggestions. Come find me. Punch me in the neck. Whatever tickles your pickle. <laughs> You can find us at the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook, greatest movie pod on Instagram. Uh, We're on Twitter. I never check it. Sorry. And you can always send us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Please tell your stupid friends about us. And as our favorite mother who builds little miniatures and gets snubbed for an Oscar always says, I never wanted to be your mother. (laughs) I would take it easy on the invitations to violence against you 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 know i say that every time i'm like for the just please don't though because then i'm the one who has to deal with that shit and i know he gets he's very very they go to court and now it's like yeah he assaulted me he battered me he's like yeah but your honor he he told me to this is the show yeah what are you guys talking about when you said come find me punch me in the neck yeah i don't even think you realize you do it (laughs) 
Oh, I just it just it just comes out of me. <laughs> you just want to uh, have people uh, hit you and abuse yeah. you. Yeah, Plus, like, it's, Oct- it's it's October month, so if anything, you should be mutilated. Everyone knows I, I love I love being abused physically and mentally. You get off on that shit? Maybe, maybe. Well, then I can I can't argue with that. Then I support it. All right. Well, then Chris's hands on Chris's Chris's hands on my leg right now. He's in, he's not even near me, but I feel it's it. Oddly, it's oddly shaved. Like you just shaved like an hour ago. <laughs> you have the most athletic calves of anyone I've ever seen. They're so athletic and toned, and it just makes no sense. But I, they're just so they're yes, very toned legs. Nice. <laughs> Hereditary is a 2018 horror drama mystery thriller film directed by Ari Aster. The budget for the film was an estimated $10 million. Worldwide, it grossed over $82 million, and $44 million of that was from the U.S. alone. It stars Tony Collette as Annie, Gabriel Byrne as Steve, Alex Wolfe as Peter, and in her debut film, Millie Shapiro as Charlie. It has a 7.3 on IMDb, an 87 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 90% on the tomato meter and a 69% for the audience score. Now, Rotten Tomatoes. There's always, there's always reviews that we, we discuss here. Let's find a good one here. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Joe Livingstone. The open-ended stakes of these genre experiments are rebellious at a time when horror movie messaging can feel so heavy-handed. I like it. Let's try another one. From Roxana Haddadi, uh, Tony Collette delivers a soul-shattering performance in Hereditary that reminds us how much sacrifice parenthood is and how deeply parents can scar their children utterly beyond repair. Another good one. I'm actually, this is the first time I've ever not seen a Rotten Tomato on the first page. I have to, I have to dig. I have to dig here. Hmm. Absolutely. kind of weird that um, There's none. the audience scores in the 60s. Okay, okay, here it is. Andrew Galdi of Movie Bitches. This was so stupid to me. Absolute, utter nonsense. All right, good, good job, Andrew. Thanks for uh, the intelligent yeah, not, review. Yeah, that's not exactly analytical, Andrew. I like, I like, mm-hmm. how, I like, I like how he kept our attention. All right, so um, we always do a, a Rick's report. Uh, Rick Barrasso is our former host, and now he is a daddy. And hopefully he comes back soon and, and discusses things with us, even though he's obviously on sexual harassment charges as we speak. Um, <laughs> that's not true. We're making a joke. Um, let's see. Rick said, I haven't even read what he said. Rick said, Derek, get out of my room. I'm trying to sleep. It's 3 a.m. The movie is good. <laughs> Maybe I was the one doing sexual harassment things. <laughs> Crisscross. <laughs> All right, Gia, put 30 seconds on the clock for me. I'm going to ramble through what this movie's about. This is always a shit show. Mm-hmm. All right. In three, two, one, go. The matriarch of the family is dead. The family's trying to gather all the pieces and get and get close again. And then weird shit starts happening. Uh, the daughter, Charlie, does a little click thing that's creepy. She keeps seeing the grandmother in different places. And then her head comes off. And then they're trying to, like, find her spirit or something. And then Pyman is, like, a, like in hell. And he's trying to take over the family. But through the grandmother's old friends. And shit just goes. Don't stop. I guess we'll never that know. That was a horrible. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and with, with like, your, and with then your... head comes off. 
with your New York accent that you have there. New York you make him sound like you make him sound like he's the pie man. Listen, like, listen. I I, like he's I, bringing uh, pie. I read all of a twist. Not a bad book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's start with you, Chris. Do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? Yeah. So I saw this um, at the recommendation of a friend whose opinions I respect. Uh, shout out to Mr. Nicholas Bertrand. Oh, he's French, so Bertrand. Bertrand. And that. Uh, yeah, he's like, you don't like the new age horror stuff that much? I'm like, well, I don't really see a lot of it. And at the time, what was this like? This was in the late tw- teens, like somewhere 20, in there. 2018, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had been keeping up with them, but they started to repeat themselves. They started to become copy and paste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes, oh, you got to check this one out. I'm like, All right, yeah. And uh, glad to say I enjoyed it. Excellent. How about you, G? Um, I, well, obviously we watched it together, but uh, was this one that we saw like at home? Uh, on you know we I don't think we went to the movie theaters to see. I don't this. think so either. I think we watched it in our old apartment. Yeah. And yeah, it I don't. The mark for sure. It did. Yeah, I I definitely enjoyed it more than you did. I remember that. Yes. But I, I think, think I, th- I think it grew on you though. It abs- Yes, you're absolutely right. The the acting by far was just amazing. Uh, you know. But um, I think the story towards the end was I was just kind of like what. Well, I think I think we 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 saw the witch first. Because yeah. that came out first. And then I remember the ending being so bizarre. I remember being like, we need to find more A24 movies. I ended up watching that movie, uh, Green Room, which is really fucked up. We're going to get to that soon. Um, and I, we ended up stumbling on this one. And I thought the ending was like, this is the type of ending that I've always dreamed of. I love movies that are just fucking insane. It's gonna be a it's it's gonna be a great discussion. When your jaws drop to the floor and you're like, "What the absolute fuck am I watching?" That's my type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think this one is in the same universe as The Witch? Well, I, it it definitely could because like that director did The Witch in the Lighthouse. Those two movies I feel like are a little bit more like artsy films in a way, and Hereditary True. and Midsummer are more like I'm gonna fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'd like to believe they're in the same universe. I I I think of those four movies all as like a bunch to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think I've seen this movie about five times now, and I enjoy it every time I see it. And there's always something else you can kind of pick out of it. But mm-hmm. um, let's go to our top three scenes. This should be a pretty good discussion. Um, I'm gonna start this one. I'm gonna start this one. Okay. P, uh, uh, the the uh, number three for me is Peter in the classroom. And I chose this scene because it's just really fucking odd. And a lot of these scenes in the movie are very odd, but so first off we see Peter in this classroom and he kind of just like peeks over at like the reflection of like a bookshelf or whatever, or something like that. And he sees his reflection and he's smiling, but we know he's not smiling. We know something's up. It's a little bit strange. Annie's up in the attic and, and she sees uh, a decapitated body and it goes right back to peter again in the classroom and it's, we hear his heart racing in the class um when it, you anytime you hear like uh, the heart racing in a movie i i just think that's like i think it's the coolest thing i love that effect because uh, it gets my heart racing in a way but mm-hmm. all of a sudden peter hears charlie's clicking that and he's looking around like what the fuck was that and uh and the teacher's talking and everything suddenly peter's arm and hand distorts and so does his face. And the teacher's like, Peter, what's the, what's the matter with you? And everyone's like freaking out. It's a horrific image of the way his face looks. It looks like his face is like mushed up against a window, but there's nothing there. Mm. Um, his head slams in his desk. 
blood spews out and he screams out in fear. It's, I don't think he's screaming out of pain. He's screaming out of fear, the way he's yelling. And the classroom is absolutely terrified. Um, the way he jumps back and, and reacts to what just happened is reactions that I've had when I have like a jump scare. Like if somebody like me and Gia live up by ourselves, like we're, we live together. But if we turn the corner and I don't expect Gia to be there, I will yelp and jump back because um, I'm just I'm a nervous person. But the way he yells, I can almost relate to like that, that fear. Um, something fucking does, is in his body and he doesn't know does what the it, hell it is, you know? Does anybody here uh, suffer with the real life affliction of um, sleep paralysis? So when I was a child, I definitely remember having a nightmare when I was trying to wake myself up and I like mm -hmm. basically like lifted my own eyelid up to like wake myself, but it was still... I was still in the dream and that kind of forced me up. I've had even, those shit. Yeah. I've had that shit happen to yeah. me too. Like I wake up in the middle of the night and like, uh, you know what it feels like? It feels like, I'm, I feels like my, uh, I have pins and needles in my body and I can't like move after a few seconds. And, and then eventually I can, but it's like, it's usually after like a really weird nightmare. I get up and I'm like, I'm frozen for yeah. like 10 seconds. It's fucked up. Yeah. That, so I, I get that all the time. And basically scientifically, you're just transitioning from different phases of sleep too rapidly. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. what it is. In that scene that you described, that's when he wakes up. That's what it reminds me of is waking up from a sleep because you go from like REM stage three to all of a sudden being fully conscious, but out of control of your body. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. So when you describe that scene, it reminds me of having being trapped in your body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's just uh, it's a very memorable scene and there's a lot of them. But um, what's your number three, Chris? Oh, um, so this is a kind of a cluster of scenes, but it accumulates with the father. Um, the scene with the all, all of the Gabriel Byrne stuff, the way he plays in this movie, like the skeptic and completely out of love with the wife and just schlepping through this marriage and watching her mental deterioration. I love his scenes, his body of work in this. And then the scene that accumulates with the the whole marriage, you got to throw this in the fire. Please throw this in the fire. And then she throws it in, and then he bursts into flames. That's my number three scene. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty heavy. And I think the Steve character is uh, he's that kind of um, I don't know if he's a clueless father, but he's definitely he, he's a good father. I mean, I feel like he's a you know, he cares about his family, but he's a little bit aloof as to what's really happening to his family. And it's almost like he doesn't want to believe it in a way. Well, as he should be, because he's he represents, you know, the realist that's not necessarily a horror movie character. But he, he obviously he's a character in a horror movie, but he's not like the archetype of the horror movie character right. which you see in like the rest of the family mm -hmm. exactly right right but uh gia what's your number three uh my number three scene is annie being possessed by charlie when they start doing the um the seance with the glass and she turns into that voice and the same thing with like Peter's character just being so distraught over everything and his cry and she's just so not even there and Gabriel Byrne's character throwing the water in her face and just kind of snapping her out of it and she's like what are you doing what's wrong with you and like yeah. you can just hear Peter being just like so distraught after that I love Peter's reaction yes. to the fear to 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 his to his mother like um he's what he's a teenager he's in high school um he's in that age bracket but he like he gets to the point where he gets so scared he starts saying instead of mom he's like mommy 
like I love that effect because he he like drops down to like a child like he's that scared of what ha what's happening that um, that I mean we'll get to that scene later on but yeah uh, oh no for sure but like yeah he, he but I, I like I love his reactions to, to Tony Collette she's just I mean the, the the two of them together have great chemistry yeah mm -hmm. Very um, true. but my number two and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this a couple of times but it's the ending and it's basically the last, I believe, 11 minutes of the film. And you guys can jump in too if it's your number one, number two, whatever. We can all jump in and talk about it. But I, so basically it starts with Peter coming down the stairs and he sees his dad's burnt body. And when it actually gets to him, he sat, he looks at it and realizes that's his father and he's dead. He is very emotional and very sad and, and very fucked up. And in the background of the room, it's very dark. In the corner of the room, in the top ceiling, you see an image and it's like moving around and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And he, behind him in the doorway is this like naked man. Peter turns around and all hell breaks loose and the image in the ceiling is not there anymore. And it, it's, it's uh, Tony Collette and she's chasing him all around the house. And then it basically comes to the part where she's sawing her head off with like a string or whatever it is. Let's and not bypass this part where uh, he runs up to the attic and the, the attic door shuts and she's just violently thrashing. And that's when that he's like, he's like, mommy, mommy, stop, mommy. And she's yeah. just, and then we hear like, you know, he, he's basically in the attic and he sees like what the three naked people in there and then not yet they he first he sees the fly well he can hear the flies right right um and then that kind of brings him over to oh god it's isn't it's not the dead grandmother is it he sees something else i can't even well he sees like an, an image on, he sees more cultists yeah and he sees yeah he sees something on the floor it's like an image of a body that was there and then the flies yeah. and then there's the three naked people and then yeah. And then he jumps out the window in fear. And the craziest part, and oh, Ari, that's when Ari, the, the mom doing song before he jumps out the window. Okay, yeah. So, so Ari Aster, like, I love the fact that he, you know, Peter's outside of the window. He crashes down to the floor. We still hear that motion of her taking her head off. And then we hear mm -hmm. the thump of the head. And it's like, oh, <laughs> man, like, you don't need to see it. You know what's happening. Um, yeah. Peter eventually gets up to that weird little. I don't know what it is, the clubhouse, treehouse. <laughs> tree and that's when there's all these naked people and there's all these headless bodies and they're all knelt down. And the woman knows it, Joan, Joni. Joni. She reveals that he is in fact Pyman now and she explains yeah. what happened. And it's just like the, the, the noise, as soon as she says the word Pyman in, what, in the eighth, one of the eight kings of hell, there's this noise in the background that almost reminds me of the Dark Knight when every time you see the Joker like really acting up, it's that, like that violin that yeah. in this movie, it's very similar that like this noise comes behind it very kind of spooky like and my jaw was just on the floor watching this ending for the first time. Like, what in the actual fuck is happening right now? I don't think I've ever seen as... I mean, there's been fucked up scenes throughout the decades in horror movies, let's face it. But this one I just thought was so creative, so original, so unbelievable. And then I love the fact that it's so horrific and so fucking weird. And then it hits the credits and you get this... Uh, um, jo Ju uh, Judy Collins singing ah, na, 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 in both sides now nah. it's like I love the mesh of that music after this horrific scene it's almost like it almost kind of slaps you in the face like mm -hmm. wake up wake up fucking idiot like you just watched the ending and now here's this like hilarious like not not a hilarious song but th the fact that it's so bright 
Yeah. Um, what, what an ending. The fact that it's not my number two is, is completely screwed up, but we'll talk about my number one. This, that's actually my number one scene that you chose. Yeah, so. that, that was that was my number one as well. So okay. that's why, and uh, I didn't cut you off or anything, but yeah, that's that's my top scene. All Like you said, all from like, you know, Mommy Dearest, the stalker, all from that that whole bit all the way through. Mm-hmm. So, so he dies when he falls out the window. Oh shit! And then he 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 wakes up as as Charlie. Pyman. Well, yeah, Pyman as... and Charlie. Yeah. Is it? Char- so I'm confused it's... by that because they they well, didn't they call they... him Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, because so is it that they wanted a they wanted a male host, right? And so Charlie and they needed a male host, but they like from the very beginning when um, Tony Collette's character Annie is talking about. Um, you know, she was out of, or, or when they're, she's talking about her family um, and how um, her brother had committed suicide at 16 and saying that their mother was trying to put people inside of him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. 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 Okay. And the father, uh, I think also uh, suffered from some kind of um, Fucked up dissociative shit. disorder and he essentially stopped feeding himself. And that's how he died when Annie was still like a few months old. So what, um, what, do, what do we think happens next? Um, hell ensues. Like you think, you think, you think, Pete, like this, you think Peter, like, like, like what, you know what I mean? He's not Peter anymore. So what the fuck happens? Like, well, traditionally, like when you're doing biblical horror, the, the Satanists, the devils, the ghouls and all that, they, they can't be too pronounced as uh, entities. They have to kind of always be in the shadows because good, that would like make a response from good, you know, Mm. like this kind of evil always has to be. Uh, in the shadows, in the background, manipulation, stuff like that. Because if they pronounce themselves as like, you know, a four, a four horsemen of the apocalypse, they'd get an immediate response from, because if you, you know, you're doing biblical horror, you have to, there's also the biblical, like, goodness to the other side of it, right? Right. I mean, even, even comedies like dogma, you know, like the, they, the angels couldn't make their presence known too loud. Otherwise, God would intervene and then there wouldn't be a movie. Right. So I, I, I don't think that it's going to be hell on earth like that. Mm-hmm. But it could, it's like, you know, that's like the movie Fallen with Denzel. I haven't seen it. Um, you know, like the devil's advocate. Like you go, you, like you win souls one at a time. And, you know what's, and, yeah, it's funny about that is I'm basically, I mean, at this point, I, I basically say I'm agnostic, but I, I think there are days that I kind of believe that I'm an atheist. And yet I find biblical type movies like this really fascinating. Yeah, they're fun. Um, they're fun. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. They're fun. Um, but uh, so we did your number one. So uh, Chris, what's your number two? My number two is probably the most shocking scene in the whole movie. It's probably yes. someone else's number two or one. Um, yeah, my number two as well. Yeah, so we'll just go at it together, Gia. It's the scene where the alert, well, from the party to the allergic reaction to yep. the decapitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to that scene and you're like, okay, what is this movie? It's It's got a good look. It's got some creepy vibes. Where is this movie going? And then they take this, who, you know, credit to this, actress uh, miss shapiro yep she she's playing a she's a child actor playing a role um that the, like basically in the casting call is you need to be an odd looking uh, like an ugly face like you have to be an odd looking person right and she just fucking takes it and she runs with it and then to see what they do to this character and then to have this little girl's head on the side of the road in one scene they have a shot of that Mm-hmm. completely horrific completely gets you into the rest of the the rest of the movie can now burn slowly because of that the, how well they did that incident do they you think they actually say that in the casting like we're looking for an odd looking oh, girl 
yeah, absolutely. Like when you see some of these casting calls, like, I mean, you know, you know, Matt Stone and Trey Pockett from South Park, they're famous for making them as insulting as possible just oh to see who God. would show to show up to a casting call that says something, you know, absurd. Right. But yeah, they went, yeah, they, they, they get pretty um, offensive. If, if, you know, you're an actor, you got to play what you can play. You're a character actor, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You can't, you can't like, there's certain things you can't get around, like certain mm-hmm. looks that directors are looking for. <laughs> you just, and you know what you have, you know what you offer, you know, looking for a very fat guy in his thirties. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like, it's just gotta be kind of insulting going there, but you're like, fuck it. Maybe I'll yeah. be a star. Um, exactly. But uh, uh, Gia, do you have any comments on this scene? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to note too, is that, and this is something I think I realized after seeing this movie a couple of times is that on the way to the party, you see that symbol that kind of keeps popping up. Uh, that like weird like thing. Yeah. On the, on, the, gra- on the, the grandmother telephone. symbol. Yep. I took that as to be like the family crest. Okay. Yep. I took that as kind of like, just like the sign of their cult. Um, and then I don't know if it also has something to do with like when they're doing their seances or their whatever possessions or whatever. Um, but like that, it was almost like it was predetermined since the very beginning that this was how it was gonna go down. Like, I don't know how they managed to know that, you know they were gonna be going to this party, but like, what are the odds that that exact poll is where she gets decapitated? It is weird. I don't know how predetermined. It's so weird because, because like, you know what I mean? Like, how would she know? Like, to... the, cult, the cult was working towards that, which is why Joni was so close with Annie because right. she was, you know, basically like setting it up like, here you are, you're going to do the seance. Here are the words you have to say. And she wasn't talking to Charlie. They were talking to Pyman that time. But how would and they know that he... she she would be choking in the backseat and then put her head out the window to get some air at that that's, exact that's moment? Where that's where so, I'm not 100%. But I think the cult would would have planned for um, brainwashing manipulation because before she dies, you see she's talking to grandma in the woods a couple times. You mm-hmm. know she's having visions, and then eventually, if they want to kill the physical body, work in the peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. I think the the fact that the, the you know um, Peter swerves out of the way of the road and knocks her head off, I think that's a bonus for Satanists. I don't think they planned that that far into it. Well, she definitely needed to be headless because I think one of the things that I had uh, read up on is I think Paimon, this demon, like carries around like three heads with him. And so I don't know if that was just kind of a, like she needed to be decapitated. So did uh, Annie's character. That's why she cut her own head off. Um, and so did grandma had no head. Yeah. There's, that- also, there's also, there was a dog body carcass in the middle of the road that, that makes him swerve. And That's then true, yeah. Like, I thought that was a deer. Well, I, I think it was a dog because there's a dog that shows up at the very end as, you know, like yeah. the family pet you haven't seen. Oh, yeah. And, and then there was some dog in her art, in the, in the little, um, little girl's art, Charlie's mm-hmm. art. Interesting. So maybe if, the, if they did plan for this, the traffic accident, head, head lobbing, maybe the dog has something to do with it. Little mm. evil dog. Interesting. Interesting. So I will say, um, this is my number one scene, and I just want to talk about it a little bit. Um, I think – so let me just walk through it real quick. So just just based on right when her head comes off and he stops the car, and he sits there for a few beats, for a while mm-hmm. actually, maybe 30 seconds. He's just sitting there the looking, off into, looking off into nothingness, and he just – he tries to gather himself together, and he just says, okay, and – there's no music. It's just silent. And he, he begins to drive and he, he goes home 
and he gets in bed and the camera stays in his face from nighttime basically to daytime and we hear tony galette's just wailing uh in the background um and she, the next scene she's on the floor and she's on her knees and she is wailing and steve's trying to hold her and the acting and the direction in these moments yeah. are some of the finest i've ever seen in any movie in my entire life um mm. in my opinion that this these two scenes to me is the truest horror i've ever seen in a horror movie um, and again, horror is subjective, right? I mean, everybody's scared of something different. Somebody might watch Hereditary and be like, that was so dumb, like we heard from that critic. Uh, because yeah. it's so subjective, and the way music is, the way movies are, for me, that was true horror of like, hey, this could actually happen. And it has happened in real life. People get decapitated. People lose their children. It happens. And Tony Collette's crying. The way Ari Aster leaves the camera on his face and we hear the crying in the background and we just see his face just so plain and so frightened. It's so real. It's, it's just the most disturbing, yeah. disturbing shit I've ever seen. And it's masterful in every way possible. And it's my number one because I'll never forget it until the day I die. That how I felt when I saw that fucking scene. It just sh shredded me up like, holy mother of God. This is this guy's first film. Mm -hmm. And he wrote and it. He wrote it. And it's just, you know... It, just to, to have the direction of the thoughts of your brain of like, this is how I'm going to film it. And I'm not going to take the camera off this kid's face. And we're going to hear the mother screaming bloody horror in the background. It is so frightening. Um, mm -hmm. And, and then that next scene when she's on her knees and she's wailing, I think that the one thing that Ari Aster, I don't know if it's him directly, but it must be because in this movie, we have Tony Collette wailing on the floor and her crying is some of the, most disturbing crying ever. It's she, so realistic. She's, she's tremendous. And then, and then you get the next movie of Ari Aster, Midsummer, when Florence Pugh is crying after her her parents kill themselves and her sister. Her crying is so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. The two of them back to back movies. Like, he, did he direct them? Like, listen, I want you to really believe right. this happened to you. I mean, I don't know what it is, but man, I, I, I almost feel like it's just the the DNA of his philosophy where. He, he's not doing movies that show humanity in a positive light mm. and part, part of the pain and suffering and humility. These are the things, these are the themes that he likes to express through his characters. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're embarrassing. They're, they're vile. They're over the top. Um, they're not admirable. And mm -hmm. sh sh like you said, showing these people in the, in the emotional depths of pain like that, does it really well and i think he studies his stanley kubrick when he does those shots of the face you know the facial reactions yeah yeah definitely and uh if anybody ever asks me hey derek what's the most disturbing scene you've ever seen in a movie this is my number one um it just yeah. it tore me up but anyways let's get to the worst part of the film which i, I what, what is, hmm? let me just add before we move on what an yeah. opportunity that um that everyone missed that we, we you know imagine seeing this on a friday night for a date night in a room <laughs> full of strangers Oh my yeah. God. I could, I just, I don't think I could handle that. Being, I mean, I feel, I feel, I forget, I forget what comedian it was. I think it was Jim Gaffigan. He's like, when he's at the movies and he's sitting next to like an old lady and there's a sex scene and he turns to her and he's like, you like that grandma? <laughs> <laughs> like it's that awkwardness of like, you know, but a hard, like if I saw that scene with a bunch of, like I was already felt awkward watching Django Unchained in a theater. I mean, yeah, you know I what I mean? But, movie, but movie, yeah. you know, but like just sitting there and, and that scene happening, I, I, 
I don't even know. I, I don't know how I'd feel because I already felt just at, at, you know, me and Gia watching it on TV at home. I felt like I wanted to curl up in a ball and cry myself. Which um, is funny because we've been saying <laughs> we want to show this movie to my mom. Yeah, I mean, well, I think your mom would enjoy it for yeah, what it is. My mom is, is a it's... big horror movie person and like, oh, yeah, definitely horror folks get like, missed it right um another thing i wanted to note too is that annie's character when she does the miniatures she literally creates the crime scene yeah yeah death and i think that's so insane she's like this is just how i process it and it's like really though you really just okay there's your daughter's fake decapitated head oh and and completely opposite of steve because steve would look at him be like what the fuck are you doing like (laughs) no this is wrong and she's like this is how you know i was brought up clearly his her mother was obviously a strange lady um but yeah, just just a masterful scene. Um, Another but, one of the scenes that I, it's just an honorable mention and it's that dinner scene where they're just- Oh, amazing. Hashing it out a little bit. Uh, and it's just the most yeah. dramatic uh, yelling. At, and, and Peter makes the greatest point of all, which I had been saying since the death from the very beginning, whereas she's the one who made Charlie go to the party. Right. Like, what what mom would tell their like middle schooler or even elementary schooler like go to this high school party with your brother like never in a million years would my parents be like yeah go hang out with uh, your big brother who's like four and a half years older than you and en- and enjoy a party it's like, awkward you know, it's awkward for everyone involved everyone. everybody I, no, th- she, I think that she doesn't want to be there <laughs> I think that's the way of trying to express like either how a disinterested she is as a mother or be disconnected whatever whether it's disinterest or just uh, not a connection I'm not sure but that's just her way of like oh my daughter's weird and this the son is less weird but he's still weird but, but let me try to get this girl to hang out with him because she's been freaking me out lately so I- <laughs> well you know you know she cuts the heads off of birds but maybe if she if she hangs out with some older kids she'll grow out of it <laughs> just Did as long as they don't have brownies There was another thing that I had noticed this time around. Um, So at the very beginning after the grandmother's funeral and Annie is putting Charlie to sleep, there is something written on the wall that says, I don't know if it's Satani or Satany, but it's literally Satan with a Y at the end. Oh, weird. I never noticed that. Yeah. So there's a bunch of this, um, this graffiti that's on the walls, but there's so much packed into this movie and like there's so many big shocking set pieces that if people forget to notice them and talk about mm-hmm. them because she's doing the dollhouse and she she kind of pencils something in on the wall and right. then in the at some point in the third act she looks back on the wall and there's a new word hmm. there's so much more to unpack that i feel like we're going to totally miss a bunch of stuff but yeah, because yeah, that stuff definitely. is just so not that stuff's just so not scary compared to the all the supernatural set pieces. You know, it's like the, the father burst into flames. How can you remember what the little word on the and I'd like just watched this movie an hour ago and I can't remember what the word was. But right. I think it was it, it announces the presence of what do you call him? Pie guy? <laughs> the pie, pie man. man. Pie, pie man. <laughs> I think the graffiti is supposed to announce the presence of the pie guy. Chris, if you showed up to that cult and you were like, Hey, I'm here to worship the pie man. <laughs> They'd be like, Chris, you do not belong here. <laughs> the pie guy. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the worst part of the film. I had trouble with this, but I do have a sequence that I just, I guess I just didn't enjoy as as much as the rest of the film. And actually, Gia, this was one of your scenes. Um, talking to Charlie, the seance, I didn't really like this scene that much. I just thought it was kind of 
I don't know. It was this point of the film where I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these movies now where it goes into like speaking to ghosts and stuff. And that's not really my cup of tea. So I was kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, I kind of like the realism of the movie at first. Like mm-hmm. not realism, but like I guess I should use the word surrealism of the film. Um, and then it goes to this scene and then the, she's trying to talk to her and she's like, see, see, we can talk to her. And I was like, I hope the rest of the movie isn't like them connecting like with her. Yeah. I, I, don't, I just didn't I didn't. It wasn't my favorite part. I think okay. that's why that scene's important is because she goes from a skeptic and a housewife and, you know, a suburban alcoholic disconnected mother yeah. to a true believer. That's mm-hmm. Right, right. I absolutely see why it's important to the film. And I think at the time while watching it, I was like, ah, but then when it kind of continues, I realized why that scene was important now because it goes, you know, it definitely it's it's like she's trying to connect the family but what she's doing is really disconnecting completely from everybody um mm. so it's it's definitely an important scene but at the time watching it i was like huh but now you know now it's fine but i couldn't really think of anything else but does anybody else have anything um this one is a tougher one to pick up a because I, I mean so much of it's so well made but my complaints kind of minor but could could have been something that they worked on is again to bring up my friend the pie guy he, he only physically manifests in that one scene and it's done really well with the way the camera tilts down and then you see him like smiling. And besides that, there's the other scene where he's, on, he's in the book uh, sitting on top of like a mountain of uh, rubble or skulls or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I remember in, in The Exorcist, the way they used, they subtly used the um, Pazuzu. They're just yep. like yeah. the superimposed on trust, shit like that, like... I wouldn't have minded if that character could have been pronounced a little bit like physically before the third act. Just like you said, like the second act and the first act, they have a lot of that supernatural skepticism uh, genre yep. mm-hmm. before it goes full-blown um, supernatural. I wonder if Ari Aster was like, I could literally make this happen, but I wonder if I can pull it off because I think that so many incarnations of scary monsters and devils can be really cheesy too. Mm-hmm. Um, only a few movies have ever really pulled it off. Like, you know, the, the uh, one movie I can say, like a it chapter two, every monster in that movie was literally the worst thing I'd ever seen on film. It was like, oh my God, completely <laughs> laughable. Like how, <laughs> how can anybody find this scary based on a fucking Stephen King book? That's supposed to be fucking scary. T- uh, make fun of that movie. It's bad. Like, and so, but that's the thing. Graders make fun of that. Movie. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like some movies can do it subtly and it's very scary. It's kind of like the original it with Tim Curry, you don't want to see him too much because then it kind of ruins it. But I yeah. wonder if he was like, I could do like some sort of incarnation of Pyman, but if I fuck it up, it might ruin the tone of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, so because it, it's hard, it's hard to make yeah. something like that super yeah. scary because at that point we're like, ah, this is one of those stupid horror movies now. Like like the Babadook, that movie where like you don't really see the monster. I love that because mm-hmm. it so, makes your so imagination so go com- crazy. To compare to it. I'm not saying make it go fucking it chapter two. Come on, that's ridiculous. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Think about it chapter one. Just looking at him in a photograph from the last century. That was that was the that was the scariest thing in the whole both movies. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. Like they did it really well that that part, but just like as subtle as the rest of Act One and Act Two, but not overt and not cartoonish. Of course, like it it, Chapter Two was a fucking cartoon. It's a fucking travesty of a movie, but yeah, yeah, yeah maybe maybe some quick glimpse of what Pyman may have looked like. And you Something know, that to try to show the outside threat because you, you're looking at it. It's called Hereditary. It's about this family. And you're thinking all the threats are coming from internally from the bloodline. You're thinking yeah. grandma and the, and the daughter. 
and the mother you're thinking the family's the thing but um there's this demon fucking god of uh, i mean uh king of hell that's also an antagonist here you know what's kind of cool and, and and they do this in the devil's advocate that i really really enjoyed was when um the when when uh kevin kevin lomax shoots himself in the head and then uh uh john milton and kevin lomax's faces combined mm-hmm. and it's pacino and keanu reeves's faces combined and i was like oh my god that are sitting the then the wings come out i was like that was so fucking cool it worked but like that would have been cool if, like, if, if they meshed faces in this one wait a second there's a man out there who's pacino and keanu reeves face combined this sounds only- like the, the oh. most fuckable man alive <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Chris, only in CGI world that happened. <laughs> but yes, I would also fuck it. Um, <laughs> Gia, did you have anything that you didn't like? Um, it was hard for me to find a thing that I really disliked. Like in- initially when I first saw the movie, I would say that like just the ending scene of Tony Collette's character doing the the piano wire to cut her like she's the fact that she's like floating in the air and then she's just like watch me cut my own head off but now realizing that it's a demon doing this like you know what I mean like I, I kind of disregard that now um, but I guess maybe even the scene of uh, Peter being at school outside after I think he's broken his nose I think um in Joni's outside, just kind of like yelling at him, like, Peter, I expel you. And it's like, first of all, can anybody hear this? Is she really there? She, that, that, that was her, like her last hope. She's like, I hope this works. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was just kind of a, a random, like it's daylight. He's at school. Like, I don't know. I, and, and I, I will say though, I actually do enjoy when Ari Aster does things outside. Like we know that midsummer, primarily all the scary things happen during the day. Yeah, um, And it's like, what the fuck? But like, he's bold in that, you know, to him, he's creating a new version of horror where things are just, they're not jump scares. They're not this, right. they're not that. They're just very uneasy and disturbing. Yeah. And that's the type of horror actually, that I love. To counter least favorite thing, I love the fact that this has no jump scares. Right. Same. I mean, there, there are a few here and there, like, you know, when, when we realize his mother's behind him and, he, and then the chase begins, like, there are some necessary jump scares, like, oh, shit. But it's not cheap. Like he, because you can yeah. tell, like there's a lot of scenes in this movie where the camera's going down a hallway, turning right. a corner, and you're like, "Here we go!" And it doesn't yeah. happen. It doesn't happen because he's like, he wants you to work for your fucking scares. And by the end of the movie, you're like, I don't know what the fuck is happening to my brain, but I don't want to sleep because of the way he just made the whole fucking topsy turvy <laughs> movie. Every corner of the room could have something, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Sometimes the camera's sitting on the room. There's something in the corner for like five fucking minutes and you're like what's gonna happen and then nothing happens with it and you're like mm-hmm. god damn you it that's the type of horror that like really grabs you it pulls you out of your skin almost yeah. you know mm-hmm. um, I, I don't consider those jump scares the ones that you're referencing because the the way a jump scare truly has to work is just on a big over-the-top sound effect that kind of blows the rest of the decibels around mm-hmm. like out of you know out of the range of what you were hearing and a moment of silence out of nowhere that leads to that so it's a abrupt thing it's usually a editing trick like i just saw a very horrible version of halloween in the theaters last week and there's one jump scare where this guy's at night running away from something and the next shot is a headlight pulling straight up to the camera with a gigantic horn going off and it's just like oh my god like can you can you be any cheaper <laughs> right, right 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 and and and, and there is you know, if, if you're doing that type of horror movie, like the cheap scares or if that's what you're going for, like a popcorn horror movie, like go for it. But Ari Aster, I feel like is like, I'm going to give you an experience. Yes. 
you know, mm-hmm. even even when the mother crawls out of the room, she she like nicks the door and the door moves, you know, very subtle movement to the and, door. And, and, and that's, I think, what makes it so horrific is there's just these right. subtle, disturbing moments that you're like, oh, boy, like it, it, I can't I really can't put it into words. But let's jump over to our uh, gold, silver and bronze. Uh, Chris, what's your bronze? Um, I have to give it to we I know we don't really do child actors on the show, but I'm going to give it to Millie Shapiro. She showed up. She knew the 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 uh, task at hand. She showed up. <laughs> she did a great job. She gets you through the first open the opening acts. Like she carries it until mm-hmm. the big shocking moment, and then her performance is something that you don't forget about later on when you think about the movie. Like, oh yeah, that girl with that fucking face. That face. Yeah, you yeah. That, you see that face when you think of this movie. Yeah, and, and it's funny looking at her now. Like, if you go to Google Images and look her up, like she's a she's a cute cute girl. Like, I don't know if may maybe distorted her face a little for the movie, or if that's a real face. Yeah, but you know, she looks some makeup. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, she I she did a great job. Character, I loved how her character would always be like, "It's okay." Like after she did something kind of weird, she's like, "It's okay, don't worry about it." And her mom's like, yeah. "No, no, weird. it's not okay. That's weird." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna drop like <laughs> shit all over the floor. But like, no, it's okay. Gia, what's your uh, your bronze? Uh, My bronze goes to Ari Aster, director and writer, because this was, I mean, directing is just one thing, but he fucking wrote this crazy ass story. So that's pretty impressive. Um, This was his first movie that he wrote and directed. um, So all props to him. This is an amazing first go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my bronze is a tie, and that goes to uh, Alex Wolf and Millie Shapiro. I think the both of them. Um, have a really, really difficult task. And that is we watch movies and we're always cringing at children because a lot of children don't really know how to act yet. We find a lot of them that do know how to act. Uh, but these two, they just have chemistry. It's just odd. One of my fun facts for later, I'll just say it now is Ari Aster asked the two of them to go out to dinner together in their characters. So the whole time for three hours at a restaurant, it was just uh, Alex Wolf asking Millie questions and she wouldn't answer him for three hours at a restaurant and they just stayed in character. And like, he, you know, Alex Wolf said, he's like, I'm going to go full. Um, what's the word? Uh, you know, being in character. He wanted to be called Peter the whole entire time. Uh, he, was, he, went, he went full method for this movie. Method, yeah. And, and, you know, the two of them are just, uh, they're just great. I mean, I, I think that Alex Wolf said he was a huge horror buff already, so he was just already excited to be in this. But he said it was the most draining and odd experience of his entire life doing this movie. I can't even imagine. Even the scenes where he's just in bed and all these weird things are happening. I don't know if I could handle that. Like, a lot of actors have, like, fucking PTSD after they do certain movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, like, Jim Carrey and, and, you know, Man on the Moon was fucked up for a year. Like, I could see how this film could fuck some people up. But um, mm-hmm. I guess... Uh, a lot of if you ask a lot of actors what they felt about this film, they they all say that they felt it was a family drama film, and it's like, man, the rest of us thought it was fucking terrifying. So, uh, but I think Ari Aster changed his mind and turned it into a horror film, from what I read. But um, Chris, who is your silver? This was a tough one because it, it, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, who, who's the silver and who's the gold? We're probably going to have some similar uh, rankings here. But I went with Ari Aster, and Gia, is, is, it's a fact this is his first film that he made? He did a bunch of shorts before this, so this was his first actual full-length film. Oh, I, I didn't know that. that so that kind of juices him up a little bit more, because mm-hmm. this is your first feature. I mean, you, you're hitting a home run right out of the right. gate. You know? mm-hmm. And, the, and the ninth what, inning, too. 
what really works in this is obviously we talked about the uh you know the kubrick-esque facial shots the reactions like they see it before you see it and then the camera pivots Mm -hmm. um the, the lingering shots the way the camera moves so in the sets they the set design almost made it to my bronze too because the sets in this are wonderful they're amazing there it looks like a lived-in family house it doesn't look like a set like a lot of these horror movies have you know these really clean tidy nice looking houses this mm-hmm. is like a shittier house on the inside with shit everywhere like anyone else's house you know yeah it's very lived shit. in yeah yeah and the way that the camera is present you know even the funeral scene the way it pivots down into the grounds you know it's mm-hmm. it's a real voice behind the camera yeah. and uh it's it's speaking to you you can tell he's well studied that he knows what he's doing and the way it combines with the music it's you know when you shoot the sh- when you shoot the film there's no music yet you don't know what the music's going to sound like you haven't sent it off to the lab then when you when you sit down with the film composer he he watches the film and then he comes up with some music and he says well this is what i'm thinking so for him to shoot this and then to have it be scored like in such a um what's it when you combine something nice when such chemistry yeah um it, it gives it like a real melodic feel even though the melody that it's singing is like subverse and twisted yeah it's it's the music for this is really the razzle dazzle of the film because he Ari Aster already made a beautiful film and then he you add this music and you're like man I mean this was a marriage I would use that composer yeah. for every fucking movie for you if they were the, the, it, the if it works for you you know yeah. yeah yeah absolutely um Gia who's your silver uh, my silver goes to Alex Wolf as Peter. I think that, you know, obviously I think the the young girl who played Charlie did a fantastic job, but she was only in this film for a very short period. And True. Peter kind of from start to end, this poor kid, this poor fucking kid, uh, you know what I mean? From the very beginning kind of is already like being talked down to by his mom, uh, being forced into situations that he doesn't feel comfortable with, is now being put responsible for the death of his own sister and then just being traumatized by his both of his parents in general the whole time. Um, I feel like Steve is kind of like a better parent to him a a little bit, but- but you also have to realize that when he's going through these things with his mom, just seeing the interaction between his parents is also traumatizing. Yeah, everybody is disconnected. Like, there's no good relationship in that family at this point, or even before with Charlie alive. It's just all four of them completely yeah. disconnected from each other. It's like um, four parts of a square that have broken off. It's just, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And but. yeah, just to, to, until the very end, like the, the scene where, I, I mean, I can't imagine what it took for the acting to do that, like distorted hand with his face, like one of his eyelids is just like completely lifted and just just looking distorted. And then he just violently shut, like it, it, that, that scene in general is just one of the most traumatizing. Yeah. Like, and knowing that this person is young, like I always do this thing where I don't think I'm very old until I feel it, but like this person is younger than I am. And I can't imagine bringing myself to that. Yeah. It, it almost reminded me of those, those jerking motions reminded me of the girl who was in the uh, exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, yeah. When the camera would, 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 you know, shoot to her in the middle of the night and she had this distorted body. I'm like, how the fuck do people do that? Um, it must that be, it must be hard for the actors to deal with that shit too. Cause it's, it's mm-hmm. like, you're pretending to be fucking possessed. And like, you know, I know a lot of people are skeptical and be like, am I opening a door? Am I opening a window to something else, something spiritual, right. but, um, but yeah. So my silver, um, I'm sure is both of your gold is uh, Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. And she, 
I mean, she she didn't even want to take this film at first because she didn't she doesn't like horror films yet she's like the queen of like horror films mm-hmm. um and she's so good at yeah. acting that it's like uh it, she's almost becoming an actress where like um you know for instance i remember seeing uh, the movie knives out and saying oh let me read the casting this person this person tony collette oh she's gonna kill it because she always kills it yeah. you know she's just so good of an actress that like you put her in a movie you've bumped it up a few notches because she knows her craft you believe everything she does and her facial expressions her voice um what her her her, her intense scenes everything she does is great she's like she's just the best there's nothing else i could say about it she's the best Mm-hmm. I'll piggy, I'll piggyback off of you. Um, are we done? That is that the last silver? So that's yep. that, that's the last silver. So I'm I'm assuming it's both of your golds. So, so that's yeah. my gold. So mm-hmm. I'll piggyback off the praise for Tony Collette because I feel like that character is well. First of all, her range is unbelievable. She does everything in this movie. Like there's scenes in the beginning where she's charming. There's scenes um, where she's concerned, where she's distraught. I mean, she covers a huge emotional range, and I feel like this character is. Think of The Shining, think of both leads. Think of Shelley Duvall and think of Jack Torrance, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. This character covers both of those characters. Because yeah. there's like the, the concern of Shelley Duvall, the tormented woman. And then after she gets, you know, taken by the, the spirits, she becomes like Jack Torrance. And she even mm-hmm. does this look at the camera at one point after she uh, blows up daddy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the plans work. We're off to a hitch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a very Jack Nicholson-esque look. So this this is my gold because this is the glue that holds it, holds the great camera work, the great mm-hmm. setting, the great acting. It's all held together by this believable, convincing. I mean, she has the most screen time, right? She must have the most screen time, yeah. I think the movie mm-hmm. follows her mostly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, gee, yeah, I'm assuming Tony Collette yeah, for you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, she definitely gets my gold. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw her was in the movie Sixth Sense. And yeah, so was- I thought that was like her breakout role, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I recall. I think at least for all of us, we kind of remember yeah. her first from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember her being such an amazing character in that movie. And then this movie, she was the evil she she became the evil um throughout the movie you see her you know that that scene where she's like sleepwalking or uh, dreaming uh where she kind of confesses to peter that you know i never wanted to be your mother like i just i i I, well i tried to get rid of you but like and all these things and then just that they're both just kind of like bellowing at each other and then that that wake up yeah uh, you know and that's just one out of a hand many scenes uh the part where she's bellowing out uh over charlie's death the part where you like you mentioned uh chris that transition when she becomes pyman after she's like crying out that she's just killed her husband essentially and then all of a sudden with a flick of a switch she's now changed like that that's something you can't that's something you're born with because i don't yeah, know you can't teach people to act like that that's, that's she does she does it all and and we have no idea what the schedule was like for this movie so 30 we, we filmed, filmed in 32 days wow. right so so in 32 days we don't know what scene orders they shot i mean we're just watching the chronological like scripts chronology order of the scenes right. who knows when she shot what you know and to go back and to dip into the pool into the well and to do you know this great job at every scene it must be it must be really difficult if they do have her film the crazy shit first because then when you go back and you do the calm stuff you have to remember 
the calm stuff that I'm doing now has to really relate to the crazy stuff later. So I wonder if it kind of fucks with an actor's brain of like, I'd prefer to shoot it in order. So that way I can, I can keep developing this personality yeah. through the, you and, know what and, I mean? And, and every producer will just say, yeah, but you're costing me a million dollars a day. I don't care about your fucking craft. Just make the movie how <laughs> yeah. I want. <laughs> yeah. But I have to, you know, I love Tony Collette. I mean, she, she would be number one easily, but I think Ari Aster, he is this his first fucking movie. He directed yeah, it, it and he wrote it. He, yeah, he's he's the um, you know, he's um he's everything here. I mean, his his vision, his thoughts. Uh, another one of my fun facts earlier was um that I'll say now is that Tony Collette actually, I think, said as she goes, Ari Aster had every shot in his head two years before he made this. That's, That's called preparation. Um, it's called pre- he knew exactly what everything was going to be based on what his thoughts were. And to me, that's like Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. That's like, we're going to go into the studio. We're going to make 10 tracks. They're going to flow into each other. And it's going to be the greatest album ever made. Um, mm-hmm. That's to me is like, and again, I'm not saying this is the greatest movie of all time. Uh, oh, he said it. He said it. The greatest movie of all time. <laughs> um, but I, I think this movie, honestly, just for the, fe- the, the the mere fact of all the 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 shots, the acting, uh, the disturbing th- everything about this movie. It, it, I mentioned it earlier. It's a beautiful film, even though it's horrific. But I honestly believe this deserves to be like at the top ten horror films ever made. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and 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 especially. Uh, I know Chris Stuckman, who's a very popular now um, YouTuber who does um, criticisms of movies and stuff. And I watched his criticism of it as well. And he was just like, when I left uh, the, fe- the film festival and everybody was asking me what I thought of it, he's like, I couldn't even give them an answer because I was so stunned as to what I just watched. And he's like, not since The Exorcist or Psycho have I felt like this is a new step in another direction. Um, you know, and I think that uh, A24 might want to sign Ari Aster to like a 15 film deal <laughs> based on hereditary. So, um, yeah, I think he's he think he's my gold. So, but now, uh, has he come out with anything after Midsummer or? Um, so I don't know if he did the Northman or if that was the guy who did the Witch in the Lighthouse. I always get them confused. I would assume yeah, that, that, that was... was the guy who did the Witch in the Lighthouse. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Because um, uh, both of this and Midsummer have very similar feels um, in terms of like the, I, I assume was it the same person who also did the sound, the, the, um, the score? Um, I'm not sure about that. He actually has a, so his third film is coming out in 2023. It's called Disappointment Boulevard. It is a comedy drama horror and it stars, oh. you ready for this? You ready for this cast? Joaquin Phoenix, Parker Posey, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, Patti Lapone, Michael Gandolfini. Okay. Um, it's just a weird cast of people, but I don't horror horror comedy drama. It says a decade spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But with, with his with his vision, I'm sure it'll be definitely a movie to watch. Sure. Um, yeah, it sounds good. So, um, but yeah, let's um, jump over to our favorite segment of the show and that is to recast the film um i only did annie and steve because i don't feel comfortable casting people under 20 nowadays um unless i really have a good vision um but does anybody else have anybody different i also have peter peter okay i skipped recasting this week just because this was like too new to me to recast you know? gotcha I mean, gotcha yeah it's only a couple of years that makes ago, sense really. Yeah. yeah, you know what, Gia? I'll just do mine first. I'll get them out of the way because I want to just do my Annie and Steve together. Okay. Um, so my Steve went to an actor who I think is 
and I know I use this phrase a lot, but I really do think it's it's true with this actor. He's kind of a jack of all trades. I've seen him do a lot of different things. Uh, is Ewan McGregor. Um, I feel like he would fit into this very well as like daddy, but he's kind of lost. And I think his goal in this is to like make sure his wife's okay and he, he thinks she's nuts. And, you know, I was thinking about the scene where like, you know, Steve wakes up and she's not there and he looks over and sees the, the clubhouse or whatever and it's got the red lights on. So he knows that she's in there sleeping, um, you know, or he knows that she's going to go in there and sleep because she's done it before. And I pictured what actor can I just envision being like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this is happening. I just thought of Ewan McGregor. I just thought his facial expressions, the way he's acting. And I think, I think, Chris, that you did this before with Paul Rudd, if I'm not mistaken, um, where you were like, pick an actor who you'd not want to see die horrifically. <laughs> was yeah. that you? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You know, for me, I was like, I don't want to see Ewan McGregor be lit on fire. <laughs> that would be horrific to me because he's such a yeah. handsome, likable yeah. guy. Um, he's Obi-Wan, man. Can't, can't burn Obi-Wan at the stake. I, lo I love Star <laughs> Wars, so that's perfect for me. Um, I'm pretty sure in real life, he cheated on his wife, so I wouldn't mind seeing him burn just a little bit. Well, you know what? And I like you and McGregor. Yeah, you know, cheat, cheaters suck. I, but, you know, I, that I move. Think, um, the you on McGregor you're describing, not the not the wife cheater, the um the character actor. <laughs> I think I think he kind of plays these notes on in Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he was good. I mean, I think the movie was, you know, obviously it's never going to be as good as the original, but right. uh, it had its it definitely had its moments. And I think that, yeah, I think I could see that with him. Um, there was another movie that me and Gia saw, uh, that disaster movie with Naomi Watts with the monsoon, the uh, oh, yeah. tsunami. Oh, so um, he, he, play, the he plays daddy so well, even though this is a different type of daddy where he's like, I keep saying the word daddy and it feels uncomfortable. Stop saying that, yeah. <laughs> it's because somebody else said daddy earlier, now I'm saying it. When he plays when he plays the father. Um, but so, Annie, who the fuck do you put instead of Tony Collette? I mean, come on. Who can you replace Tony Collette? Uh, I will say, I really think that Charlie Theron could nail this as well. Oh. Um, I think she, if you've seen her in, obviously, The Devil's Advocate, you, but you've seen her in Monster, you know, when she plays uh, Eileen Warnos, the serial killer, like, yeah. she can do it all. She really can. She's done some, maybe a couple of duds in here and there, but I think as an actress, she really, like, she holds her own and she goes all in. And I think that, like Tony Collette, she would go all in for this movie. So she's kind of who I thought of, but... um. Yeah. So Gia, who is your Peter? Um, so the Peter I chose, um, we've mentioned a movie that he's been in now a couple of times, and that is It. And that is Jack Dylan Grayson, who plays Eddie. Yeah, I like it. I like him. Yeah, um, yeah I think, you know, I've seen him do kind of emotional and kind of erratic. Um, and I think he could probably take it to this level, you know. Um, we've heard him say Mommy. And it, so he could definitely That's say mommy in Hereditary. Very true. <laughs> um, and Bye, mommy. The people that I chose for Annie and Steve. So I'll start with Steve. Um, <laughs> and I had somebody else in mind at first because of my Annie, um, but I, I changed it up in the end because I just thought it would be too too close to uh, what they were in before this. Um, so my Steve is David Harbour um interesting plays, yeah so i i feel like i just I, i've seen him a lot recently and i think he could definitely take it to this level um i've seen him do emotional funny um you know a little bit of both but i i want to see him kind of take it to this next level i almost feel like he could even be in the next like amityville horror 
Yeah, like, I could see that. He father. seems like he seems like a the the bearded dad, you know, a whole bunch yeah. of kids, you know, <laughs> the bearded dad. Yeah. Um, and then my Annie. So again, like you mentioned, like who who can you get to replace Tony Collette? And I think this actress is really just kind of like looked over a lot. And I think she would just knock this out of the park because I've seen her do emotional, erratic uh, comedy, and that's Kate Winslet. You know, I thought of her. She popped up in the images I was looking at, and I thought I thought to myself, could Kate Winslet go here? And I said she absolutely could, but I didn't think she was old enough to be mom, but I, maybe I'm wrong. No, she's definitely old enough now, but I, she still looks beautiful for her age. Yeah, I know that Toni Collette is, is 22 years younger than Gabriel Byrne, so it works, you know. Yeah, and so the original person that I had thought of for Steve was Billy Zane. <laughs> Interesting. Because I just... I, but like, <laughs> I know I thought of it together and I was it's, like, it's, ah. it's the Titanic but recast. It is. It is. And uh, a much worse fate for uh, Billy Zane's character in, uh, <laughs> in Hereditary versus Titanic, that bastard. I still only know him from Back to the Future, so I don't care about Titanic. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, no, I think it, I think it's funny how in Back to the Future, they picked on Marty. They say, Dork thinks he's going to drown. But this kid's wearing 3D glasses. <laughs> Billy, Billy Zane's best line in Back to the Future is, uh, how did he change his clothes so fast? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. How the hell did he change his clothes so fast? Um, his, his best Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so that was our recasting. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Let's do some miscellaneous. I have a bunch of um, just kind of fun trivia facts to go through. Um, I'll just kind of pile through them real quick. Ari Aster liked Utah for the film because he thought its mountains are beautiful and breathtaking, but also menacing and ominous. So that was a kind of a cool thing. I didn't know it was filmed in Utah. So that's, that's pretty interesting. I knew that it was filmed somewhere in the West. It just felt like that, especially yeah. when, when Peter's driving uh, down those dark highways, it seemed like out like in the fucking boondocks of the Midwest or something. <laughs> it, gives, it gives out like Pacific Northwest vibes with the trees and the, the, the yeah. hills. Yeah. Definitely. I actually, almost, when I think when I was watching it, I almost thought if it was like Oregon or something like that, but yeah, I, was, exactly. I guess I was close. Utah is very diverse, um, not population wise, very diverse, like scenic wise. Yeah, actually at, at my job, everybody, most of the people who, who work there are from Utah because that's where like it's based off of. And every time we have a meeting, the first 10 minutes of, are all of them talking about all the hill, all the hills they've climbed, all the trails, all the <laughs> scenery. And I'm like, everyone's like, all you guys out in Boston, you got to come to Utah. And I'm like, okay. But um, uh, I guess uh, Ari Astro wrote detailed biographies and backstories for all the characters before even writing the screenplay, which I think is brilliant. I think that you need to know these characters before you can start developing their story. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's really neat. I've never written a full script, but I every time I start a story, I think I'm going to write, I always just start off with character names and what their traits are. <laughs> so I do the same thing. Yeah, I think it's fun to do it that way. And uh, I guess uh, the producer said that it worked out well that Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf had worked together. Also, Alex and Millie Shapiro knew each other from school. They went to the same school, I guess. Um, wow. And it, it, because of all, the, all those relationships, it made Tony Collette feel like an outsider, which nice. mirrored Annie's character and feelings of alienation with her and her own family. So it all worked. Uh, this is my favorite uh, fact, and then I'll be done. I told this to Gia earlier. I gave her this one little fact. 
one of the trailers for Hereditary was accidentally shown at the beginning of the PG-rated family-friendly film Peter Rabbit in Australia. It caused a small panic in the theater with parents fleeing the cinema with their kids. The theater eventually shut the screen off and offered the uh, the members uh, free passes for, for what happened. I just think moms and their small children go to see Peter Rabbit and the trailer for Hereditary fucking airs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's definitely a prank. Did these movies open on in April? The, uh, Peter, yeah, I don't know. Peter, Peter Rabbit had to be an April first opening, but you know, like, right? I don't right, know. Right. Um, what's that holiday with the Easter Bunny? Easter. Easter. Oh yeah, Easter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with the Easter Bunny. <laughs> you said you literally said what? What's the holiday? And I almost said I literally almost said bunny. <laughs> <laughs> That's, talk about biblical horror shows you how religious. Right. Lately. But, but bunny eggs. Um. Well, it's, it's, so, it's so it's so not about what easter is it's like you know pink and purple and and rabbits and and it's fucking it's a I, weird interpretation I, of i can't believe i'm bringing jim gaffigan up again just as actually random but he has that funny joke where he's like how did they come up with easter some drunk guy was just like how about eggs <laughs> and the lady I goes i don't understand your logic and he goes okay we'll hide them <laughs> <laughs> um but does anybody else have any uh, miscellaneous um, I think I said a lot of mine already. All right. Coolio. Um, rest in peace. So this next segment is the Oscars. Uh, we're going to go through it and see if there's any nominations. Uh, this again was 2018. So it was the Oscars were done in 2019 pictures for 2018 at the Oscars, uh, one by green book. Uh, the nominations, uh, uh for the best picture were black Panther, Black KK can uh, Black K Black KK Klansman. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Roma, A Star Was Born, and Vice. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy about Green Book winning. Um, Rick has just shoved it down my throat at every chance he gets, and so does everybody else. I enjoyed Green Book, <laughs> um, and uh, I liked Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, Black Panther, it was okay. I liked it. Um, I didn't see a star was born. I didn't see vice or the favorite or black Klansman. Um, what do you think, Chris? Do you think hereditary belongs in here? Cause I certainly think. Yeah. It, I certainly think it belongs in here based on just, it's just, I don't know. It's prowess and it's a home run. Yeah. I think, I think that if, so you're doing 10 movies, not yet. Are they? Yeah. They're not, they're doing like eight one, right now. One, two, two three, three, four, five, five six, six, seven, seven eight. eight. Yep. So I would say go ahead and throw it in for the ninth because some years they do 10, some years they do eight, so, and they used to do five. Yeah. So and I, I, I think if enough of the Academy sat through this movie, which obviously this is considered a lowbrow genre, like, you know, the wealthy industry people don't go to horror movies. Mm-hmm. But if, if enough of the people that have AMPA cards actually sat through it, they would feel a way. They might hate it, but they would feel something for it, which mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately the goal of... When, when we go to honor the best films of the year, we want to honor the movies that made you feel something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not the inspirational feeling. You know, it's not the heartbreaking feeling. Like, that was a good year for movies, for sure. But I think it does belong in there as a nomination. But it's so not their color, so not their flavor. But that's the thing. Like, you're talking about the best movies of the year. Maybe it should be all films and not just what their flavors are. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's unfair. It's like, uh, it's, it's like me, me sitting down at a buffet and just grabbing some Italian food and some Chinese food and saying, this is what I like. And someone says, there's Indian food over there. It's great. I go, well, that's, I'm just not going to take that into account because I don't like it. 
uh, I, that's probably the worst analogy yeah. ever because it doesn't really make any sense. But <laughs> honestly, I just think that like, yeah, it's a horror film, but it's still a film and, and, and right. horror films so can be beautiful. That's why we're going to throw it in the greatest movie of all times, Oscars. And mm-hmm. gotcha. I think out of the list, I think we should throw out Vice. I don't know if you've guys seen it. It just, to me, it's not, it's not as good as this. Yeah, I didn't I see it. Seen it. Um, so yeah, I mean, usually when we put one in, we, th- we take one out. So I will say, like, throw out Vice and throw this one in. You could even take out A Star is Born. I haven't seen it, but, you know, once they made the Judy Garland one, they should just stop making them. Right. Well, there's like this, six. A, a Star is Born will make grown men cry, and oh, that's why it needs to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think a, a movie's remade after three times. Just stop. Um, I mean, Judy Garland's one wasn't even the first one made. There was a, like a decade beforehand. Where right. Was, that's what I'm saying. This is like what the fourth one made or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like the, yep. the Judy Garland one to me is like, is a rip, you know, it's not as good as the original. See, but I, but I like all the interpretations. I've enjoyed them. Okay. Right. I mean, Asara's Born is just becoming like Batman at this point. Yeah. Um, but so, best director. <laughs> They're both from 1938. Right. Best director was won by Alfonso Curion uh, for Roma. Uh, nominations were uh, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Powell Paulus, Paul Klauski for Cold War, Yorgos and the Mythios, the favorite, Adam McKay for Vice. I think Ariaster needs to be here. I don't fucking care. Like, what? Um, All right, so who are you going to throw out? That's the thing. I mean, it sucks. I've, I haven't seen any of these movies, and I know you have, so it maybe. Um, I just realized that Alfonso Kirion also did Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and The Revenant. And that's one of the best. Yeah, I wonder. I have. Yeah. I, it's funny. I didn't even hear of Roma. Um, uh, Roma's good. I mean, it was like net. It was it debuted on Netflix. That's like how you could have missed it. Right. Right. A year in the life of a middle class family's maid in Mexico City in the early 1970s. Yeah, it's a biopic, like a self, it's an autobiography. Gotcha. Um, um, I don't know if uh, I, because I haven't seen any of these movies, I really can't put him in here. But I would have liked to have seen him get hit, get noticed, you know. So I guess that that's where it stands. But um, I just throw out Adam McKay again. Throw out Vice again. Adam McKay, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Vice is punching up way too high. He's punching mm-hmm. way up to be I don't even up. Th- in- I don't think Gabriel Byrne needs to be up here for best actor because it just wasn't a best actor performance. But <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> just for the hell of it, let's talk about it. Uh, Rami Malek won for uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Other nominations were Christian Bale for Vice playing Dick Cheney. He looks fucking insane. Um, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate. Uh, he plays Vincent Van Gogh in that. That's interesting. And of course, the guy who should have won, in my opinion, is Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Um, uh, well, you know bradley cooper is the guy who should have won in my opinion so i mean did you guys watch the new stars born or did you i haven't seen i've no. never seen a star was born any movie i haven't I just, seen one after judy garland yeah, oh, i haven't you, seen it i should run through the stars born um canon one let day. me ask you a question is there country music in it it's like pop, pop, like what do they call it? pop rock like it is country-esque but it's mostly like pop rock poppy it's like radio music you know what? They, they play that like the, the hit from that movie so often that like oh, yeah, I, yeah. it just i can't listen to it anymore I can't. well i think they would if anything besides bradley cooper i think i mean rami malik did the greatest freddie mercury whether you like the movie or not he i thought he did the yeah. did a great job and then vigo mortensen for me vigo was a surprise i didn't know he had that range you know, yeah. I, I just I thought of him as Aragorn and I was like, oh, OK, let's see Green Book. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, best actress. OK, let's talk about the biggest fucking snub here, because Tony Collette deserves a nomination. Yeah. Yes. 
And the winner was Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. Other nominees were Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Lady Gaga for A Star Was Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy for I'm in a Comedy and I'm Heavyset. No, no, that was a, that was her drama. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, that's the one I get wrong. <laughs> that's when she's like, when she's um, forging all the checks, and the she's like a loser librarian. Oh, I remember seeing the yeah, trailer yeah. for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I watched it. Super boring. I kept waiting for her to to blow me away because everyone was like, "Oh, she's so great in this movie," and I'm waiting for it. I'm like, "When the fuck is this movie gonna start?" And then the credits started. I'm like, "Oh shit, this movie's over." I mean, it, it, you you throw an actress who's known for comedy into a drama, everybody falls to their knees and praises her. Um, yeah, that was a rough one, dude. Wow, interesting. She, but yeah, she was. Are we thinking Tony Collette replaces Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Okay, yep. Uh, let's see. Best supporting actor. Uh, no nominations here. Uh, Mahershala Ali for Green Book wins. Adam Driver uh, gets nominated for Black Klansman. Sam Elliott for A Star Was Born. Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And the great Sam Rockwell for Vice is playing George W. Bush. That was a surprising one because he's in like two scenes in that. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, the whole movie is about how Bush was not the president. How like, Cheney, that's yeah. like the argument they're making. Like you and Rick always say, though, like you can you can be in the smallest scene and still be still be nominated for best supporting. Um, I so. think Rick is the one who disagrees with me on that. I think I'm the one who, who said like, "Hey, listen, it happens all the time." Right. And he has like the staunch like, "No, you need to be in X amount of scenes." Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's kind of shitty if it's just two scenes, but uh, I love Sam Rockwell, so good for him. He's funny. Um, I still think Alex Wolf deserved a nomination for this because I think he knocked it out of the fucking park, especially for how young he was. It just depends who's who's the weak link of the five here. Maharshala I, Ali is not going to no, lose. He's not going to no, lose no for way. Green Book. Yeah. So I mm. say just keep keep it going. Like, can you ever forgive me? Toss that one out. Richard E. Grant. Grant. Sorry. Um, all right, Best Supporting Actress, do we think uh, Millie Shapiro? Uh, Regina King wins for If Bale Street Could Talk, never even heard of it. Amy Adams for Vice, Mar Marina de Tavera for uh, Roma, Emma Stone for The Favorite, and Rachel Weiss for The Favorite. Wow, two actresses for the same movie. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna make the argument to put um, the child actor in there. Me neither, I think she did a really, really good job, but I, I think that, uh, she, her best things are, are, are to come, you know, yeah. she doesn't have a lot of yeah. speaking in here and she, you know, she's, she's, she's really good, but I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so uh, no other nominations. I don't believe uh, nothing for best original screenplay, best adapted screenplay. I don't see anything here. Let's see. I think that's it. Original score, nothing. Original song. Of course not. There's no original songs really. Best sound editing. Nothing. I mean, they just fucking hate horror movies. They yeah. really do. They really fucking do. I don't see anything for Hereditary here. And that's, that's, that's sad, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, you could, you could, you could give a sound mixing. Um, wow. So that, so, so first man only made like one nomination and it was for best sound mix. And that's interesting. Hmm. What was so what um, was best sound mixing you said? Yes, first man was the Neil Armstrong story. Oh, by oh the first guy man, La La Land. It was really good, but I guess the studios had enough of. Uh, I mean, the Academy had enough of La La Land. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's the Oscars. Uh, it's a shame Hereditary wasn't nominated, but we all really enjoyed it. Of course. Uh, mm -hmm. What are we eating with this movie? Are we just decapitating people and eating their heads, or? I mean, they didn't <laughs> eat anyone's head in this. I'm gonna, go with, I'm gonna go with uh, cake with nuts. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's my question. Here's my question. If you were to get a, a pot and boil water and then put a human head in there and just let it simmer for a while, do you think the water would taste pretty good? No. <laughs> what what kind of a question is that? That was that a actually regular. Just be, you would be making like broth. Well, that's yeah, what I mean. Head broth. broth. Head broth. Okay. You know, I just thought, I, you I know. Think, I, I can think of something even more heinous than human broth to eat with this movie. How about red vines? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the past, I've definitely, you know what I find myself doing? And it's not because I'm, I'm a fucking crazy person, even though I probably am. But I always find myself eating a lot of food during the most grotesque parts of movies. <laughs> well, um, that's your comfort. That's I was like... like I was like, here, deal with trauma. <laughs> here it comes. Here comes the head coming off. I just shove a pile of chips in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it's part of being Italian. That's how we deal with shit. When we're sad, we eat. When we're happy, we eat. When we celebrate, we eat. We eat. Wedding, wedding we eat. we're eating. Funeral, yeah, I, we're I, eating. I can't believe it. The fucking little girl with the clicks. She fucking dies, and I, I got to have a hot dog. <laughs> Holy shit, this movie's scary. Pass the pizza. Get over here. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Food solves all problems when, when you're Italian. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I agree with that. Gia, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and you're going to tell me why Hereditary is the greatest movie of all time. All right? Okay. All right, yeah. so here we go. I got to pull up a song here. Okay, Hard Knock Life, Jay-Z, here we go. Uh, three, two, one, go. All right, so if we're talking about modern horror, uh, nothing's really scary anymore, but this shit is scary. Tony Collette, Alex Wolf does an amazing job as her son. Uh, this movie will truly mess you up. There's a, there's a cult involved, um, and this shit just seems like, for the most part, that it's so realistic that it could actually happen, and it's the tiny little scares that'll get you. This isn't someone's going to jump out from behind a door. This shit is actually scary. It's the tiniest little sound that'll get you, and truly... If you're looking for time, something to God damn it. I guess we'll never know. Nice I guess we'll never know. Nice, nice job, Gista. The Gista. Um, so that was that was one of the names he gave you a couple weeks ago. And, I texted him, and I'm like, Derek, I've, I told you, I'm sorry, but she's now going to be known as the Gista. The the I think that's your nickname now. So now going forward, I'm the big deck Boski and you're the Gista. I'm Gia the Gista. Yep. Like it sounds like the Jester, but yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm the Gista of the show. Um, but now uh, we're going to go to um, the last segment that we do, and it's kind of new, and we talk about the theme of the film. Uh, I don't really know if this movie has a theme or a kind of a lesson to be learned. Anybody have anything here? Oh, yeah, definitely, dude. It's, it's called Hereditary, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's all about this family, this bloodline. Um, yeah, the theme, the theme is, like you said, at one point, all, all the cast, they all think of it as like a family drama. That's the themes. Like this disconnected mother, this broken marriage, mm -hmm. this these odd couple of brother and sister. Like these these are the themes. Like pe like you said earlier, you said it was um, four corners pulled apart, right? Yep. The, and that's how the Pazuzu of this movie, what's he called? Captain Pies? Pyman. <laughs> what's his name? Captain, Captain Pies? Pie. There's one scene where she looks in the, the literature about all the Satanist stuff. And it says the, the pie man will come when the person's at their most vulnerable. Mm. And, and that's the theme. Like th this family can't work out their, their um, inherited bullshit mm -hmm. because grandma was a witch. You know? So there's, they're only going to get so far from that. 
let me let me let, let me just uh, rewrite what Chris should have said. He should have said was uh, the theme of the movie is you shouldn't be related to crazy people because if you do, the blueberry pie is gonna get you. <laughs> 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 Mr. But, pie Man. Mr. Pie Man. Um, yeah. So that was Hereditary. Uh, really enjoyed it. I'm gonna be watching that in the future for sure. I hope it becomes like a, a an every October kind of movie for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to what else Ari Aster does. And of course, we're going to be doing Midsummer at some point. I'm such a big fan of the genre that I can't imagine that I'm going to wait till next October to do some of these movies. <laughs> so mm. I'll have them sprinkled in uh, in the months to come. But let's discuss what's coming up. Uh, we have one more movie left in the month of October, and we thought we'd end it with a really fun one. And that is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Nice. And uh, it's a movie that I went to Newbury Comics one day, I think, and I just saw the cover and I was like, this has to be terrible. And I watched it and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and I'm, you, I'm, I usually think 80s movies are really over the top cheesy, but it did cheesy right, I think. So I'm excited for that one. Unfortunately, it'll just be me and Gia next week. Uh, so we will have uh, our guest, Amy. She's going to be on a future episodes, but um, that should be fun. But I want to thank Christopher Bonapani uh, for being a guest again on the show. And every time he's coming up as a guest, I always get really excited about it. Um, I, I, I want to just, before we sign off, I just want to say one more thing about hereditary. Yeah, do it. So, so now, you know, we all, we all have little people in our lives and we all grew up watching movies and our dads and my moms fed us movies. What is the age that you introduce hereditary? Well, if you know, you G, G, I'll say Gia saw Exorcist at a really young age. <laughs> the, um, and the way my mother introduced it to me was, hey, you want to watch a movie? <laughs> it wasn't like, I'm about to fuck you up. Yeah, she, was, she was mad at you. Like, Let's watch a movie. But like, no, I think she just like didn't even realize what it was going to do. Gia's to like, me. I thought we were going to watch Black Beauty. <laughs> well, of all movies, why Black Beauty? I don't know, because it's about a horse. It seems like a nice movie. No, The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch Aladdin. No, it's The Exorcist. No, it's gonna, yeah. I mean, Hereditary, I mean, honestly, I, I probably wouldn't show it to a kid under like 16. Uh, I think it would fuck I, them I'd up. I'd say 13. I'd say because especially like there's that preteen right into the teenage years phase where they think that they're like hot <laughs> And things yeah, won't scare it, them, and I'm gonna it, prove them wrong. <laughs> it, it could be really scary if you're a 13 year old watching like this other middle school kid lose her head out the window, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even like, like I said, even like me, uh, that that Chris Stuckman guy. If you don't know, we at Shekko's YouTube channel, he does a lot of fun movie things. Um, even he was like, that scene will stay with me forever. And the, we're we're grown adults. I mean, if you watch yes. having a kid who's 12 years old sees that scene, yeah. um, they might just want to. <laughs> oh yeah you know i don't think i was actually even a person until i was like 24 so um <laughs> i don't know if uh, 13 some, some is, might uh, some might argue for you derek like 28 hey you know what 35 <laughs> is probably where i'm starting to understand life <laughs> um but i'll say well, this 13 is almost also almost 11 so i don't know <laughs> well I'll, I'll even say this yeah. so considering how young i was when i saw the exorcist I now find it to be one of the more funnier movies that I've ever seen. So mm -hmm. maybe it's a good thing. Who knows? I don't find The Exorcist funny at all, but okay. Well, I haven't seen it enough times. Uh, I've seen it I, enough. I, I feel watch like it, if you show, show, show this more. to a kid, the kid's not going to like leave you alone about it. Like, hey, That's mom and dad, can I, can I sleep in here tonight? Like, I'm afraid of fucking Tony Collette crawling through the corners of the 
I don't want her. The, I don't want the her. little the little kid goes to like a sleepover with his friend, and <laughs> his kid's friends like, "My dad brought me brought me to a Bruins game." He's like, "My dad bought me a baseball bat." He's like, "My dad showed me Hereditary yesterday." <laughs> so, <laughs> He's like, you're fucking nine, dude. So I rem- so I'm gonna just say have this. Have you guys one ever heard story. of like the nine year olds in the future? Have you guys ever heard of Tony Collette? <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, I'm she's gonna- so hot when she loses her head. <laughs> Um, so this one quick little story about the first time that I saw the exorcism of Emily Rose. So I went with my brother and his at the time girlfriend to the movies and they like, she, he, she was in college. Um, and I was still like, I don't know, a freshman in high school or something. And, uh, so we're at the movie theaters. I'm terrified. And there's like this reoccurring thing that at three o'clock in the morning, it's like the devil's hour. And so we end up going back to our house. It's like, I don't know, midnight. So, and she couldn't go to she's like well I can't go to my dorm by myself you're gonna have to come and spend the night with me and so I was like well what the fuck and he's like yeah go ahead go upstairs by yourself I go upstairs both my parents are asleep and I'm like okay um and so I I try going to sleep and I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like don't look at the time don't look at the time three o'clock right on the nose and I'm like oh my god oh my god and I go to my mom and meanwhile she has no fucking idea that what 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 we even saw at the movies so I'm like mom mom it's it's three o'clock in the morning and she's like yeah go to bed (laughs) it's amazing how watching a movie like that can fuck up your brain but the person who didn't watch it is like what are you talking about um like you know like I could walk into the bedroom and you're sleeping and I get in bed and I'm like, I just watch so many fucked up things. And you're like, I'm having a peaceful night. You yep. know, it's just, it's so funny. Like the contrast of how things can just fuck up your brain. Yep. Um, oh, like the, after, after you watch a movie, you're like, now this is going to happen to me that happened in that movie. Yes. Th- yes. That's the brilliance of horror movies. Like when they're you done well, they can, they can break your, your logic right down and they yep. get to that primal fear, you know? Oh shit, right. someone's in the corner, right? Someone's, there's a ghost watching me, you know? It goes right after that primal fear. I, 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 do, think- I do this thing where like, I remember after watching It for the first few times as a kid, I would go into my bedroom and be like, well, a killer clown's gonna fucking eat me in my bedroom. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't think Pennywise would even waste his time on me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's how I got through a lot of horror movies is just knowing that like, well, before I watched this movie, nothing was going to happen. So why would it happen now? Or I just really look at like, oh, wow, the cinematography, the, uh, you know, like what a great actor, um, what great makeup skills that they had. It's the same reason why when we go to like a haunted house, like before when I was a child used to absolutely terrify me. But now as an adult, I'm like, wow, what a great makeup job they did. Like they're coming up to you and trying to scare you. And I'm like, that's really creative, man. And they're like, fuck you. That's what I do so that I pretend that I'm not scared at a haunted house. (laughs) You know that, Gia. I'm like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I do that thing. Yell. Yeah, I preemptively yell before somebody yells at me. (laughs) They laugh at you. (laughs) They're like, can you not scream in my face? I'm the haunted house to them. They're like, I I walk into the haunted house and all the actors are like, oh, great. Here comes the haunted house. Anyways, I do play great haunted house. Um, but that was hereditary. It's so much fun talking about it. Uh, Chris, you're the best. We love having yes, you on. You. We have you I on for. Being here. Thank you. I know you you jumped on for a few other ones that we have. Um, we'll talk about it offhand and find out when we when we. I know you want to spread your your guest appearances out, but you know me. If I have it my way, you'd be on every single episode. Um, mm-hmm. But thank you so much for doing this again. We had a lot of fun. Honored to be here. We love thank you. you. We love do. you too, guys. All right. So we're signing off. This has been the greatest movie of all time podcast. I have been the big deck Boski. 
and I've been the G-ster. G ster. <laughs> 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 right. Well, hail Pyman. Hail Pyman. Hail Pyman. <laughs>